Well, I did mention that I will have the next guest of the programme in soon. She is here. Good morning, Auntie Fung. Good morning, Andrew. Yeah, good morning, good morning. Um, I was telling listeners that you are someone who has been very deep into the wine industry from running um, a storage centre, Hip Wines, uh, Hip Storage, is it called? Hip Cellar. Um, hip yes. Cellar, um, which, is, which is not only wine storage, but, uh, but also puts on events and really nice wine dinners um, by, by, uh, by request, I believe. Is that right? Yep, yep, it is. Uh, right. Incredible wine lovers. Yeah, for, which means it happens all the time. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Especially at this time of the year, I should think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but also for um, the last year or so, you have also been one of the founders of Mato, which is an interesting concept. So it's in Central, and it treats both wine and coffee um, at, a, at a sort of premium uh, level um, to um, uh, to be paired with food. And the food is a mixture of Japanese and Italian. I've only tried the wine uh, side of that. And the interesting thing here is that there are a lot of um, by-the-glass offerings, which you wouldn't normally get the chance to try elsewhere. It's an interesting concept. How has it been going this Christmas, leading up to Christmas? Well, this Christmas, well, we are obviously packing on even more by the glass, you know, items into the bar. And uh, well, anyway, as you know, um, the way that I like it is that I don't, I don't like people having to make choices. So might as well just give them more. And uh, so I see that actually people are getting a little bit more adventurous still this Christmas, especially when we run like a bubbles program. Um, can I just ask you, I mean, one thing that people said years ago about the uh, the drinkers in Hong Kong, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're an international uh, city, so right. there are people of all nationalities. When we say Hong Kong, I'm talking about across, it doesn't matter whether people are born here or come from elsewhere, but there are residents of Hong Kong, yeah. that, that, that people gravitate to... Um, certain well-known regions, particularly in France, and um, and and it's been said many times. However, yeah. I'd say that pre-COVID, um, sommeliers or wine bars and restaurants were beginning to enjoy breaking down those conventions and introducing regions, uh, or, or people to regions, winemaking regions that they may not have tried before, um, yeah. minor regions. Has that continued? With the break of COVID in the middle, are people still interested to try new things in styles of winemaking and from regions? Well, well, well um you know, going back to the point, you know, that uh, Hong Kong has this kind of reputation um, that, you know, we are big on Bordeaux and Burgundy, uh, you know, like classic like that. I uh, The trend will continue. Well, if you look at export figures, really, export-import figures, I mean, the fact that these wines uh, command top dollars um, and also, you know, with Bordeaux kind of obviously still churning up some good quantities, it will continue to lead. However, I guess, you know, in smaller universe, you know, smaller, you know, um, ecosystems like, you know, in restaurants or even, say, in bars, uh, definitely things are getting sh um, shaken up. And, uh, you know, there's innovative way to obviously make it uh, more comfortable for diners or visitors to try other things. You know, classic ways like, you know, introducing like a pairing menu or, or simply, you know, put on something like a, a all you can drink, you know, kind of um, uh, offer. Now, these obviously make it easier to get Hong Kong drinkers to feel like, hey, it's okay to get out of my comfort zone. I'll try some new things. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, do, is it? I mean, in, in a way, could it be a bit like a tasting menu in a restaurant where people might think, "Well, I'd like to leave it to the chef." Yeah. Um, or in the case of wine sommelier or the bar manager to totally. to to make the choices. Yeah. So even when people might not be going for a um, a, a tasting set, if you like, which mm. uh, which I know is something that you guys do, and that some maybe some right, other bars right. do. Exactly. Um, it's it's it does give that opportunity. Do you sometimes get people being really wowed? And if so, what over the last um, mm -hmm. year have been getting the reactions? What have people said? My goodness, I can't believe such yeah. amazing wine from this country or region I haven't heard of. I will say that um, Hong Kongers actually go wilder than. Even I think I will say, like, well, um, look, you know, one of the thing that we see as a real kind of like a winner region um, this year is uh, is Italy. Now, Italy is no surprise in a way if you talk about it being like, um, you know, like 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 a rising wine regional country that uh, Hong Kong wine lovers are looking into. Uh, what is actually kind of surprising is uh, which regions they are focusing on. So, you know, like a few months back, you know, we did kind of this uh, uh, selection of 20 wine from one age from uh, Italy's 20 wine regions, right? Mm. Uh, well, Andrew, you want to take a guess on which region gets the most attention? Obviously, like most people try the most. Well, I mean, I would, I would think that, um, uh, well, I, I would go Piedmont for, uh -huh. um, for the, um, yeah. uh, for the Barolo or, um, Barbera yeah, yeah. or uh, Barbaresco. It's, it's, um, I mean, that's, that, that's, I mean, I know that Hong Kongers love those highly prized wines right. in a way that would be the answer to bordeaux of italy or oh, there's, yeah. there's there's amarone as well uh -huh, which is uh, -huh. uh you know that the which is another maybe um uh, that people can collect and sell for a long right. time i mean those are the ones that i would imagine if you had some yeah. of those by the glass am i wrong we had a babera for sure we even have a tuscan uh sangiovese oh. however they are not the winners. Oh, that's a surprise. Uh, so we we literally so we look back at uh, what people kind of order the most, or even get second helpings. You mm. know, uh, after a month of launching the event, it's like, whoa, the winners are Liguria Fermentino. Oh, right, and right. Sardinia Cananel, which essentially is a Grenache. So I guess you know what, in a setting whereby. Uh, if you're given a choice mm. or an offer to just try uh, based on your taste instead of basing on some kind of a oh, different by the glass price points, if people you're, really follow the taste. Yeah, sure, sure. And also, I suppose you're, you're putting an interesting point across that over one country, although it's a long country, Italy, yeah. um, with, with a lot of different uh, microclimates from yeah, one end yeah. to the other, for sure, and elevation and everything else. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it, um, it, I think it, it also gives an interest to a drinker. Maybe it would be, again, to parallel with food, if someone was having a yeah. menu from... Uh, from a country could be you know the the, the truffles of the north of Italy yeah. down to the seafood in the south. Um, that you you have the different micro climates and the uh, either the farming or the viticulture um, yeah. that, that's that's going on. I mean, there's there's also um, is there is there much of an interest? Um, do you think these days 
um, when it first became available in Hong Kong, I think it was interesting uh, in, interesting to some drinkers in the um, uh, the, the the wines um, from uh, from the very south of Italy, the volcanic, ah, the volcanic Etna, um, yeah. Rosso. Yeah. Oh, we got that end too, and definitely get some good interest as yeah. well. Was it what was it in your tasting? It is also in the tasting, and we we actually see that um, now two words like uh, like these obviously already kind of regions on the rise, we see more interest in um, the higher end wines. So say the single vineyard wines, if mm. I have to be kind of like specific. Like uh, we did like a comparison of different contrada, well, single vineyard, basically, uh, in, in Etna terms, um, uh, from a very reputable winery in Etna, obviously. And that was uh, that was a huge success. Right. So you, you basically get like, you know, the connoisseurs, yeah. Or the geeks, sometimes I call them, yeah. uh, going for you know those wines. That, uh, so, so here's a question for you though. Then you you do um, open your your doors to both geeks and casual drinkers. Obviously, you're not yes, you're not you're not checking idea. you're not checking them on the door. Are you a wine geek or not? But it, but it's um, I'm a very but, social person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but is it because you are offering something? Have you become um, an attraction for the um, you know for the kind of um, let's call them the Hong Kong wine geek community um we definitely kind of like see the geeks kind of coming to support but but more often uh, we see that um the repeaters actually you know are, are those that you know want to come and drink in a you know re- relatively unintimidating environment if mm. i may say mm. and it's just ultimately still a bar right so how 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 do you um it's an interesting one so um, I'll, I'll remind you, listeners. I'm talking to Auntie Fung, and she has she wears a couple of different kind of hats in work. There is the bar, which um, is a, which serves a lot of different uh, wines, Marto that we've mentioned. Um, also, you serve very um, uh, single origin, uh, interesting Coffee. coffees, don't you? Yeah. Um, how did you come about to mix wine and coffee, and then? have a menu, which is quite a focused menu. Um, did you have to think about whether wines and coffees would, would, would independently go with the dishes? Have you made a menu which, is, which could go with either? Must be quite difficult. Um, so, so, well, on an everyday basis, we try not to uh, play the pairing kind of card to a heart, very much because, um, you know, that is also one of the reasons that that kind of scares general drinkers away. Oh. Like, they feel like, oh, well, uh, if pairing is all that important, then, then when I drink a certain wine, I must kind of almost like observe certain rules uh, when it comes to what to eat. And, and that kind of kills the vibe. So, like I said, when I open a bar, I tell myself, uh, I want people to just simply enjoy drinking and more so to enjoy the process of uh, thinking about beverage in a similar way. Now, the similar way here is like, okay, you celebrate varietal differences, right? Yeah. And that kind of brings coffee and wine drinkers together. Mm, that's and, true. You know, it's like origins and countries, you know, and, and, it, and the nuances that kind Absolutely. of like differentiate them. I think when you, uh, if you're not thinking about the pairing, then it makes, then it's, I can yeah. see how that, that fits together yeah. interestingly. And do, do, do you get, um, do you get many people that, uh, that come in for the coffee, um, particularly uh, uh, over the wine? What's the ratio, wine to coffee, in terms of people walking through the door? 
if you know me, you probably already know I, I me. Do. Yes, I do. I'm like, I am definitely more like uh, 90% wine, 10% coffee. And naturally, I think bar is a very human concept ultimately. So, so naturally, because the humans inside tend to be like that, the founders are like that. And so right now, I do actually have mostly like 90% wine drinkers and then 10% that are coffee. But the thing is, you know, it's, it's not that clean cut too, because, you know, I, I also see a lot of wine drinkers uh, expressing some serious interest in coffee mm. as well. I guess it's again the same thing. They just find out, oh, wow, I can use the same approach. Of course. Uh, I understand wine into coffee. So sometimes they drink both when they're here. Yeah, in, an, in analysing um, yeah. the uh, the process and the climate yeah. and everything else, there are some great similarities there, aren't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so um, another thing that you do, Auntie, is um, a little bit of wine education, don't you? Yeah. So um, you are um, taking students through the WSET um, learning. Um, what, what sort of levels are you dealing with? And, and please tell the listeners what this means in terms of from elementary to, mm-hmm. um, you know, how, how, how high from a, from a sort of a, a beginner are you going? I guess this is a good time to make your 2024 resolution, right? (laughs) (laughs) To learn more about wine. So I actually teach um, WSET level one all the way up to level three. Mm. Well, one is really, you know, just uh, understanding how red and white wines are made, uh, how they are being done, and some basic, you know, principles on pairing. And you also kind of like get some tips on, say, oh, when you see a certain term, you know, these couple of terms in a wine list, what do they mean? Um, okay, that's 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 so that, that's like your level one. So not to be um, not to be intimidated by yeah. any of the yeah. um, uh, the, the, the phrases yeah. and to really get to know the basics. Yeah, two. Two, two is basically all about varieties. So you have like a bunch of varieties. Some of them obviously find home in more than just one country or region. And uh, so how do they differ? Yeah. And okay, if a certain variety only thrives in a certain region, uh, how does it taste like? So that's kind of your level two. Uh, level three, as we get geekier and geekier, uh, you start to kind of like, okay, so certain variety thrive in a certain region. What is the name of that region? Uh, how is that region like? Uh, wha- what makes it special? Is there certain mountains, certain river that makes it uh, special? And how does that influence the wine? Uh, obviously, uh, when you get to level three, uh, you are expected to be able to identify a certain wine without knowing what it is. So that's kind of a fun part. Right, sure. Okay. Okay, so that's some uh, some food for thought there, listeners. If you are thinking about uh, about doing that, do you want to do you want to say where you're teaching? Oh, well, absolutely. You know, it, it's somewhere in Aberdeen. Anyway, the yeah. location isn't uh, important, but uh, okay. I'm very happy yeah. to be working with, uh, you know, um, you know, one of Asia's first master of wine, Deborah Maiber herself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she started a school and uh, I so happened to be able to kind of teach, you know, um, in under her school. Right. Okay. That's 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 all very very interesting. And uh, yeah, people are becoming more and more aware in recent years. You know, even supermarkets, some of them have a better selection than they ever have before. Would you yeah, agree? I absolutely do. I, I see more adventurous picks actually. You know, sometimes you know, even when I go into um, a supermarket, I, I even go into say, um, mm. just oh, say Spain as yeah. a region. Of course, you always see the classics, but you also see, oh wow, there are uh, some forgotten regions of Spain being chosen. Mm. I mean, with with something as uh, 
you know, probably a little bit more familiar to us all here, like Biesto, all the way to even, you know, like going up to the hills into some mountainous regions. You, you definitely see those popping up. Right, right. What has wowed you as a, as a, just personally this year? So we've talked a little bit briefly mm-hmm. on what uh, customers might have reacted yeah. to. But um, but for yourself, have you tasted something that has just blown you away? One or two wines this year? Um, it, it, you know, style, region? Oh, wow. I mean... But a particular wine? <laughs> the, oh, the list goes on. But you know what? I'm going to um, pick wines that have wowed me because it works well with uh, a certain food. Okay. It, it's just kind of almost like an epiphany for me. Like most recently, so I did this uh, forehand events uh, you know, between a Western chef with a Chinese chef, obviously. So they come up with something that is a bitter melon quiche. Oh. And with that, I had a 1983 Grüner Feldliner. Yeah. Yeah, from uh, Vine in Austria. And it works Incredibly well. I mean, the, the wine is really young, and the and that slight kind of like white peppery and also a little bitterness uh, from the Gruner Feltliner just worked well with bitter melon. I, I'm it's surprised kind of that anything could really <laughs> pair up that could match up and be as good a yeah. pairing as you're describing. Yeah, and and it's uh, it's just incredible. I mean, the wine itself is already quite incredible for being a you know being drinkable. You know. Uh, now that it is, you know, how how old would that be? Freaking hell, it's like... Uh. So anyway, and uh, another one of these um, big discoveries is um, when we do a um, Silme pairing uh, over at the bar. And um, so we basically had this uh, forgotten wine from Italy. It's essentially a sparkling Grenache. Uh, it's basically called a Fenaccia di Stella Petrona. So we had that with lamb char seal and uh, that, once again another jackpot. That 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 does sound that does sound a, a wow and surprising yeah, pairing. Yeah. And also lamb char siu. Yeah. So using lamb to do char is definitely uh, not your norm, but but worth trying. That, that, okay, that is interesting. Holiday talking, cooking ideas. Ta- talking about surprises, what about then for um, uh, for the new year? Celebratory drinks. Mm. Um, there's obviously there is there's a go to for bubbles for some people. Is yeah. that what you would say? Is that what you would recommend, or what will you be having yourself, or how would you? How you know this year because you discover new wines every year, of course. Um, yeah. Do you think it has to be to have that pop of celebration? Is that important to see the new year in? Well, um, the fizz. I know a lot of people see me as unconventional, but I do love the tradition of having a pop. You know, just to signify that moment. So I definitely go for bubbles. Um, Champagnes, yeah, can is always a good choice. But I feel that you know there are a lot of great alternatives out there. Um, say you know traditional method sparkling wines coming from other countries within the old world. Say you know in Italy you go French Quarter, even in Piedmont. I mean in Piedmont there is certainly a very interesting producer doing low dosage version and uh, and can forge just about any champagne drinkers um, thinking that it. It's well, as good as one. A, a, lot, a lot of Italian um, winemakers have gone for brute style, yeah. uh, you know, sort of champagne yeah. method production, haven't they? Exactly. Or, in the last or few even, years. You know, some who are obviously, you know, really good with their winemaking go all the way to doing like low dosage to yeah. no and no dosage. And, and, and the results are incredible.
Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and and are you expecting that uh, that Hong Kong is going to m- remain a center of interest for wines in Asia? Because it was, you know, back was it two thousand and eight when the when the tax was abolished? Yes. Um, and you know, since then it's always been described as such. We've had the prolonged COVID. We're out of that since since March. Things have bounced back. Uh, are we still being seen as that? Events have been held in Singapore, haven't they, recently? Yeah, it, it seems that Singapore is, uh, you know, definitely becoming the friend that kind of motivates us to kind of run further, right? Yeah. In that sense, you know, yeah. I try not to kind of use the word competitor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, um, the pie is not back enough yet. So, uh, well, with more Asian cities joining to kind of expanding the pie and building a wine culture in Asia, I think that is actually more fun. And that seems to be the role of Hong Kong too. Um, well, will we kind of like lose interest? I, I feel like, you know, um, post-COVID, even producers are kind of like using a different approach when it comes to how to kind of approach our market and using Hong Kong as a leverage mm. point. That's how I see it. Okay, thank you very much, Auntie. I know that we didn't talk about everything that we wanted to today. <laughs> it's a broad topic, but thanks so much for coming in.